Well, I feel like we need you to, to be our test subject. That'll work. I need somebody. Whatever experiment. To throw. Whatever experiments you ladies want to run on me, that's okay. <laughs> Depends on how many ray shakes you give us. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> From Rosemary's Baby and Regan McNeil, to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky, to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Helen Stewart. Hola. And Ann Conley. <laughs> I wish I had something fancy to say in <laughs> Spanish. Hi, guys. All right, well, tonight we are going to review the 2007 Spanish found footage horror film REC. Co written and directed by Juame Balaguerro and Paco Plaza, the film centers on a reporter and her cameraman covering a firefighter intervention in an apartment building in Barcelona. As the situation escalates after some of the building's occupants show animalistic and murderous behavior, they find themselves confined inside the perilous building. The film was a commercial and critical success. It's now re recognized as one of the early successes and one of the best films in the found footage genre. The film spawned the REC franchise, which was followed by three sequels, REC 2, REC 3 Genesis, and REC 4 Apocalypse. The film was remade in the United States under the name Quarantine in 2008. All right, so when we get started here, we usually go over what our expectations were going into the watch. And since you chose this movie, what were your expectations? Okay, so really quickly, I had heard of this movie before, but I had not had a chance to see it. I was talking with some coworkers about, hey, you know, what do you guys watch? What are some good horror films you've seen and what did you enjoy? And one of my coworkers mentioned REC, which of course I was like, oh yeah, I have heard of that. Why, why not? Why don't we go out there and check that out? So decided to jump right in. Other than that, didn't know a lick about it. And we're trying a new little segment on our show, and it's going to be basically we're choosing a drink that will work well with the movie theme that we continue to watch. So each movie that we review, we're going to recommend whether it's anything from a really hoppy IPA all the way to a really full-bodied red, which we will be talking about tonight. But just really quickly for REC, our recommended pairing with this film is a Coastline Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. And we highly recommend this because it is a rich, full-bodied wine with aromas and flavors of cassis, dried cherries, and vanilla, which go very well with head bashing and face eating. <laughs> so there you go. Grab yourself a glass of Coastline Cab Sav Reserve and kick it back. All right, Helen. So I remember seeing, it must have been like the trailer for Quarantine. So I remember like the part where the girl gets dragged under the bed or something for the United States version, but I had not seen REC. So I was like, really excited. I enjoy the found footage. I enjoy the foreign film kind of segment because I feel like I get scared more having to focus so intently on the film, not understanding what they're saying and reading those subtitles and watching the movie. So I was super excited and pumped. And I am also enjoying this wine. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Yum. Okay. Well, I have seen this before. I saw this movie back in 2010, so a couple of years after it hit theaters. I saw it in its Spanish form with English subtitles. 
unlike this time where I watched it with the English dubbing. And I will say that it is infinitely better in its normal Spanish language version uh, with the subtitles on because spoiler the, alert yeah the, Eng- <laughs> the English dubbing just totally sort of pulls you out of the movie at the very beginning and uh, through about the first act but uh, luckily I had seen it before so I kind of can fall back on that on that uh, on that watch to kind of feel the impact a little more otherwise I was uh, happy to watch it again yeah, I was. I have to say, I agree with you, Ray. I was in, I, when you. I ordered it off of Amazon Prime, and I was very disappointed that it didn't tell you there that it was an English dub. Like, I wish they gave you the option because I know some people hate subtitles, mm-hmm. but that really was something else. Yeah. So when I <laughs> when I saw it, I had done this thing. It was called renting a DVD uh, from a place called Blockbuster, which some people may um, <laughs> recognize back in their memory. This movie. Um, this you movie rented? I rented uh, as a DVD. I had the option on wow. this physical disc that you used to mm-hmm. um, choose either English or uh, Spanish language. That's crazy. I thought you had just seen this a couple of years ago. That's like decades ago. Well, it was like a decade ago almost. It's 2019 <laughs> now. That's crazy. Yep. All right. Well, if we are done talking about our expectations, I think we should probably roll the trailer. All right. Here we go. And trailer time. Action. Reporter Angela Vidal and her cameraman Pablo are covering the night shift in one of Barcelona's local fire stations for the documentary television series While You're Sleeping. While they are recording, the firehouse receives a call about an old woman, Mrs. Izquierdo, who is trapped in her apartment and screaming. Angela and Pablo accompany two of the firefighters, Alex and Manu, to the apartment building where two police officers are waiting. As they approach, the old woman becomes aggressive and attacks one of the officers, biting his neck. Okay, so it opens up with Angela going and visiting the fire station house. You understand watching her that she's on the show while you're sleeping and she's trying to get like a 
really good story and she's hoping for the bell to ring. And I feel like they don't really describe that in here. And it was really funny because one of the firefighters says, while you're sleeping is kind of funny of a show to be producing. But so they get this call and she's really excited and they're on their way out. And they end up in this apartment building. And there's some creepy, like they go up the stairs and there's a creepy half-naked older lady just kind of covered in blood. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And I don't really think they ever really describe like where that came from. That's true. I don't think they do. I don't think they really explain why she's covered in blood. I didn't think about that before. She ate the dog. <laughs> yeah, that's well, the do- well, the dog was in the in at the, the vet. at the vet, right? Right. The the yeah. dog that called like patient zero, shall we say? Yeah. But what I thought was kind of funny watching this was that. So this is a little probably too personal. I would do the Carmen Electra strip to fit videotapes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? And she what just looks happened? So much like Angela during that with the pigtails because I was like, how are you? Being the front person of the show, like I felt like you should have probably had a little bit more of a professional hairstyle, but I just the entire time with the dubbed over English, I just cannot stop thinking about these exercise videos that I did. So so it's too bad this isn't a YouTube channel, but it's audio only, so I can't include any. Well, video. everyone will be disappointed when they see how I'm so not fit to strip. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get physical. Physical. <laughs> no, wrong video? Yeah, so I thought that our our uh, main protagonist Angela um, was cool as she went throughout the movie. You certainly began resonate more and more with her, but the introductory scene was pretty brutal in that English redubbing. I mean, let's let's be honest, it was bad. I mean, it it's like you know the lips in no way no way synced up or covered, and not that they're supposed to because she's speaking in Spanish and the redubbing's in English, but even just the voice acting. I mean. Yeah, we're not voice actors, and I'm pretty sure we we could have done a better job of like, wait, what's going on here? What do you want? Like, uh, it was just you know she's fiddling around with like the fireman's uniform and trying to figure out what goes on. She's kind of acting goofy, which was fine, but oh yeah, the voice acting was bad. And um, yes, the hairstyle really bothered me. Those <laughs> stupid little pigtails, and her hair is entirely too long to wear in these weird pigtails, and you're like. You know, if you're on the other side of the camera, if you're the sound mixer or whatever, well, you can you can wear your hair however the hell you want. I, obviously, we don't care, but like we're wearing our hair right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like head headbands and bobby pins. No, I'm kidding, but um, you know, she's in front of the camera, so she's supposed to be dressed to present. Her hair was atrocious. Her clothing was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Obviously, her mannerisms in front of the camera weren't great either. And you're like, I get it. Maybe it's like a cable network. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't understand. Two like, a.m. production. That's what I mean. It's like it's either static or this. And they were like, Look, just take a camera, go out and do something. And that's fine. That's fine. Like, but still, I mean, wouldn't you be embarrassed for yourself? Yeah, I felt like it was overly flirtatious, and I don't know I if I had it, listened to the Spanish version, if I would have mm-hmm. not felt that she was trying to be overly flirtatious. I felt it was like a bad version of Britney Spears hit me one more time with those pigtails, <laughs> like in a yeah. not good way. <laughs> yeah, they were. And then what I noticed was throughout the movie, of course, her hair changed. Of course, she lost the pigtails because they're impractical. Anyways, the hair got better throughout the movie, which was really weird for something like this. But yeah, I mean, generally, what I did like were the firemen's reactions to her going through. I thought that was realistic, you know, kind of hooting and hollering at her and like, oh, you got a camera in here. Like, what's going on? What's a Hey, 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 mom. Hey, like kind of trying to get in front of the camera and that type of thing. I thought that was fine. 
And then, of course, once they get to the house and she's, you know, they've got to run into the truck and jump in there. And they're like, get your asses in here. We got to go. Like, I thought that was good. I thought you kind of right. begin to pick it up at that point. Then she has that really goofy moment in the fire truck where she's like, the alarm? The alarm? Oh, the siren. Can you? And I like that she said, can you edit that out later? But you're just kind of like, really? You didn't know the word for siren? Now you're kind of making this girl look like a dumb blonde. And eh, I don't really like that. But I felt like once they got to the house, it picked up. Yeah, the apartment building, I had high hopes until immediately when they go in, everyone is yammering and yelling and getting in each other, everybody's face. And and I, and I get that. I don't know if it was the English dubbing or not, but it just seemed, I, I don't know. I, um, what's what I'm looking for? Cheap? Yeah, cheap or cheesy, like the way that they were they were coming off, I guess. And I, and I I have to imagine it's probably the the um, dubbing more than it is anything. But yeah, they're like all downstairs, all freaking out, and then they all go up the the two um, firemen and of course um, I'm gonna call her Angela. I'm sorry, uh, Angela and Pablo <laughs> go upstairs. You know, and they, like they say, they see they see the woman, and that's the first scary part of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, which is, I mean, not too far. Okay, so the best part about this movie is that it was an hour and 15 minutes. Am I right, you guys? 74 minutes, I believe, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, so, yeah, I felt like I didn't need anything more than what it gave me. Like, I yeah. didn't need more time for anything. Yeah, it was nice. It was like, you know, you got in, you got your horror movie, and it was done. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it didn't drag it on. So I appreciated that it didn't drag out the fireman, you know, fire hall scene too much more. That would have been totally overkill. They spent plenty of time there and probably could have done a much better job of entertaining us there mm-hmm. um, and making us more empathetic with um, the firefighters as well, which we see all of a half a second before, you know, that one guy gets his face bitten off. Yeah, so then they get there. They start picking it up. I, I thought the woman, uh, the bloody uh, elderly woman was totally freaky. Oh, yeah. I mean, they go back into that dark room. You can't see anything in your... It's definitely cliche. You're like, where are the lights? Why can we not turn yeah. on the freaking lights? You can't see anything in there. You know, the camera has a spotlight, which, of course, they yelled at him at some point. But At the end. But, uh, you know, you need light. Right. <laughs> Somebody turn something on. Get some glow sticks. I don't care what you do. Figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I just figure that's kind of poetic license in, in, in some respect. Uh, but I did think this movie used a lot of the the background foreground shot thing where, like, in the foreground you have the protagonist and back in the background beyond them where they're not – either they're not looking or, you know, whatever. Uh, there's something scary moving or something, somebody back there uh, that um, – what movie was it? Uh, Annabelle or The Ring used that quite a bit, I feel like, mm-hmm. those type of shots. And yeah. they're effective. I mean, they do get you kind of creeped out and they do make you kind of, you're like, it's a screen like, turn around, turn around, turn around. And of course, the people never turn around in time or whatever. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote down two big words for this movie was suspenseful and claustrophobic. Right. Both of which I really enjoyed. I mean, I like that it was really suspenseful with the foreground background. I like that. I really like the scene later on when they go back to visit the old lady and our protagonist, Angela, is in front of the camera. Like her face is almost smushed up against the camera. And you see the woman who is later, you know, spoiler alert, she's been shot. And you, you're you kind of waiting for her to get up. 
Right. And Angela keeps blocking her, then moving yeah. out of the way, mm-hmm. and then blocking her, yep. moving yeah. her out of the way. And you're like, oh my God. And like in an in, in American movie, she totally would have blocked her and would have moved away at some point and she would have not have been there. Right. Am I right? Right. Or her some total position change or something. Something. A hundred percent in an American film, they would have done something because that's the point. And I love it when you see these international films that they don't ascribe to those cliches per se. And the woman never moved. She stayed there. Right? She was quote unquote mm-hmm. dead. You were like, oh my God, that was even better because it was such that like slow burn. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe she is dead. Yeah, I will say back to something you were saying, Helen, um, at the beginning, which is I enjoy foreign films as well because, it, to your point, Anne, they, they tend to have a different cadence mm-hmm. in the movie. And so you don't know when things are going to happen or or exactly the sort of pattern at which they're going to go, uh, unlike American movies. I also felt that with the not knowing who these actors and actresses were, that it kind of gave it a lot more sense of realism. So they didn't pick glamorous looking people that Angela was. She was very beautiful, but she, fun fact, is an actual reporter for a Barcelona TV station. I believe it's reporter. Did she get so the job after the movie? <laughs> I don't know if she got the job after the movie, but I think maybe, like, because I felt like she, if you weren't listening to the dubbing, she looked comfortable in yeah. in her shots. Yeah. But like everybody else you could see were kind of like uncomfortable when she gets to the part where she's like trying to talk to the residents of the apartment building. Sure. Yep. But just not knowing who they were made it almost seem like, yeah, you're entering an apartment building of just normal people who are milling around and are terrified. And and that helped that it was, you know, not American people that we're used to seeing. As they carry the injured officer downstairs, they find the building's residents gathered in the lobby. The police and military have sealed off the building and trapped them inside. As the people begin to panic, Alex, who remained upstairs with the old woman, is thrown over the staircase railings and seriously injured. The old woman then kills a girl, and the remaining officer, Sergio, is forced to shoot her. Angela and Pablo begin interviewing the residents, including a sick little girl named Jennifer. Her mother, Marie Carmen, claims she has tonsillitis and says her dog, Max, is at the vet because he is sick as well. Yeah, so one of the parts I really liked about this movie was when Alex gets thrown over the edge. I thought that was a jump scare and kind of gross and impactful because I felt like he kind of knew Alex a little bit because he did that kind of little bit of an extended interview with her earlier, and I didn't expect him to die that quickly. And, like, he's just like, boom, splat, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He was a little bit of, like, the Edward Stark, right? Is that the right? No, Ned Stark. <laughs> right, where he's like killed right off the bat. And you're, I thought both Alex and Manu were both kind of cute. So you're kind of hoping that they're going to stay around longer. I also feel like as we're reading this, it begins to unravel from a plot perspective for me. I mean, you're kind of going through these and you just go with it anyways. But, you know, why would Alex be staying upstairs with her anyways? I was confused because I thought everybody had come down. And then, of course, you just see this body splat on on the in the foyer like we were saying so yeah that confused me and shocked me at the same time but i was also kind of mad because i was like why would this guy stay up there why would anybody be up there like why would he be entranced to stay up there so she could eat his face and then throw him over the stairs and then similarly later you know you get claudia this little skinny colombian girl or whatnot and she's suddenly in there and she dies very quickly and you're like but why would she be in there why is she there like what And maybe that's part of this disease that they didn't talk about. Maybe it's this ability to attract others to them so they can eat them. I don't know. I mean, that's obviously stretching, but it's confusing to me how people kept going into this honeypot, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people in this movie seem to generally be dumb. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I mean, except for the sort of professionals, but the, the residents of the buildings don't seem to be especially intelligent. So people randomly walking into other people's rooms. Sure, I guess. Yeah. So I thought the guy stayed up there just for the stretcher part, but maybe I'm mistaken. So that didn't bother me. But what I didn't get for a really long time was that she bit him. I just thought he was thrown over the the railing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't talk about – well, and I thought that the point was that she had thrown him over the railing. And again, from an Americanized perspective, I think we're usually like it's pretty single note most of the time. You die of one reason. This was layered in there a little bit more, which was interesting because I thought the same thing. I thought he, she just attacked him and he was thrown over the edge mm-hmm. and that's how she killed him because you don't realize at this point that they're trying to infect – other people with the di- with the disease you think oh she's just rabid going after people type of thing and then later i agree it's kind of when you figure out oh like half of his face has been eaten somebody said something about him being bitten as right. well yeah and you're like oh he was bitten and then he was thrown out did he throw himself well, well so so i had a question about whether he was thrown over or not because it seems odd to me that that crazy old lady would have thrown him over and then walked back into her apartment room for what reason like wouldn't she have come down trying to get the rest of the people mm-hmm. i kind of in my mind i guess assumed that he had been bitten and in his flight to get away he had like gone over the edge mm-hmm. and fallen but I don't, we don't really know so then i feel like at this point, the reporter, Angela, goes not so on the police officer who's left. And I thought she either was actually overreacting or the American actress was just overreacting. And oh. I couldn't tell. Uh, impossible okay. to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's sit with that for a second because I could probably spend the next 20 minutes just talking about how one of the major things I disliked about this movie is how everyone overreacted to everything all the time. And it's almost like in a way they had to do that. Or else there was no plot whatsoever to the movie. There's nothing happening in the movie. I call it, in my own mind, the Blair Witch Syndrome. Because the Blair Witch movie was basically these three people just looking at each other and yelling at each other about, oh, where's the map? Where's the thing? What's this? Because there was nothing. They were just walking around the woods, so they had to try to make it interesting, so they had to kind of yell at each other. And that's basically what all these people were doing. Like, they're freaking out that the cops have quarantined the building. They're freaking out that they don't know. They're yelling at the only cop who's in there, and he's telling them, I don't know. And they start yelling at him that they don't know anything. I, I, I get that everyone's freaking out, but at some point it just became a little laborious for me watching. It didn't bother me that much. I mean, again, I think it just being really claustrophobic. You're in this situation. There's a rabid woman eating people's faces off, and you've just been quarantined inside a building with her. So, yeah, I mean, I'm okay that they're freaking out, totally freaking out. Um, You know me with survival skills. In some ways, I certainly wish they were more methodical about it, like sending somebody up there to, I don't know, lock her in her own room and just doing something like that and be like, all right, well, we're going to quarantine that woman. I don't know. I just feel like at some point you're just trying to figure out how to solve the solution. I don't think there was too much of that. And again, I mean, maybe they just didn't think, oh, they were slow to make that connection of quarantine equals biohazard. I was a little like, you know, if they're not letting you leave the building, this is some kind of biohazard. Something something is going on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as soon as someone starts biting somebody else, I'm automatically like, this is beyond normal. Right. It's outside the range of normal. People are eating people. Right. And then they are going to quarantine the building. And yet for at least half the movie, they're trying to talk about how to get out around this quarantine so that they can save the two people's lives that are that are, you know, they're people that are dying. It's like 
they don't want you to leave for a reason. You know, and, and, and they just seem to be arguing and kind of going around and around on, on this whole thing. Yeah, I'm curious as to how an actual the quarantine process works because you see them outside the windows kind of putting up this film stuff and mm-hmm. that's kind of panicking. So I can see where you're inside and they're like, get away from the windows. And you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. We have police and firemen in here who don't understand what's going on. I felt like there should have been more of a communication level to calm them down. I understand this is a movie, but it just seemed why, why are we so unclear as to what is happening? And, and I thought that was part yeah. of where I was a little frustrated. I, mean, well, I don't know if they think, you know, it'll create more panic. I mean, you don't really know. To your point, it's a movie, so it's sort of they're doing it on purpose. But right. I do feel like the one element, if I was in that position, if you're freaking out that badly, I feel like somebody's going through the window. I feel like somebody's going to bust through the glass, bust through the plastic shield they're putting around the building. Because if you're that freaked out, you don't care. You're trapped in a loony bin with sick people eating other people's faces. You know, you're going to be like, uh, I'll take my chances. Right. And, and then I could see them busting out and then being shot. Yeah, right? I was expecting that. I, I, yeah. In, a, in an American movie, and in fact, I don't know, maybe if we watch Quarantine sometime, I would guarantee that would happen. Because right. it's like... You and have, then you'd be like, oh shit, I'm not going outside. Yeah, I mean, you have men with guns outside. It's like, if you have men with guns, they must use those guns sometime during the movie. So, you know, they threaten to kind of use the guns. But, I, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, look. Most movies, most of these types of movies, the government doesn't have their shit together. Barcelona's got their shit together. One sick dog and bam, we know where the hotel, <laughs> we know where the the building is. We're locking everybody down. Done. Dude, I was so impressed that they got like the clown tent out. That's so, that quickly. Yeah, that I, was insane. Yeah, that was crazy. And um, you're also like, is that real? I mean, on some level, I was like, they don't really do that, do they? Like seal yeah. a building like that? So like know. I've been to Barcelona. And I'm kind of curious because those buildings obviously are so filled with history. So they're not like ours now. But like how big of a tent do you have? Yeah. Like how big is the like, building? Like how does this work? And if it's if it's connected like townhomes, like yeah. is that right. no bueno? They are what, like very stacked I just figured like they were sheeting the outside of the all the openings. Yeah, not it, that they were putting a big like continuous Yeah, I joke plastic because I think you clearly see, you know, it's like, like wallpaper. He's, yeah, he's almost like a drywall guy or something. But Yes, yes. But then they have, would have like, to tape them all together is theoretically? Is there like, you know how like we have um, the logistics like are salt for the roads? Is there just like a sheeting station for when we have to quarantine people? Like where did they get all the sheeting? Apparently. I, I guarantee there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. From the division that they mentioned, I don't know, Biopharma Medical Government Agency B. i don't know the injured are put in the building's textile warehouse a health inspector in a hazmat suit arrives and attempts to treat them suddenly they become aggressive and start attacking other people the residents flee and the intern is locked in the warehouse the health inspector explains that they are infected with a virus similar to rabies and the time in which the disease takes effect varies by blood type he reveals the disease is traced back to a dog in the apartment building and angela realizes the dog to be max when the residents confront Jennifer's mom, Jennifer turns, vomits blood at her mom's face, and flees upstairs. Is she only vomited? Oh, that's not what it looked I like in the movie. I thought she bit her. It definitely looks like she bit her nose. Yeah, because they said it was transmitted through saliva. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Although, it, although it does explain why they want to uncuff her later on in the movie if she, in fact, wasn't bitten. It very clearly looks like her nose is bitten. Yeah, I really honestly thought the daughter bit the face, but... So did I, because why would they cuff her in the first place? 
Right. I mean, they're all covered in blood. Yeah. So she like yeah. cabbage patched that woman's face right up. <laughs> yeah, she was all over that. Yeah. No. Okay. Can I just say that I was having flashbacks to Terrifier with this stupid textile warehouse in the back of a residential building? Yeah. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Oh well, guess what? There just happens to be a textile, yes, a clothing manufacturer attached to the back of this resident building. Oh yeah, because that's totally perfectly normal. Let's just open up this warehouse door and go back there and find an alternative exit. Yeah. There's literally like what? right behind the uh, the um common area. Where the stairs go up to the apartments, there's like literally a pull down, like metal, corrugated metal door. Yeah. Like a garage door. Stupid. Yeah, I was really surprised about the location where they were keeping the two people who were bitten and injured. Because that seemed very hospital-esque and they had all these tools and they had a medical assistant, thank God. Yeah. Which I think that's who the intern is. I know. I'm like, who's this intern? Yeah, that's the intern. Because they called him medical assistant. Medical assistant. In the English dubbed version, so who knows. But yes, I was surprised about this like lovely, you know, doctor's area for him to work on these people. And then I was also kind of annoyed over the whole key situation. So every single time they need a key, it's like some weird... Oh, God. I don't even know what's going on with the keys. The keys I can't handle. Okay, which (laughs) I have to go back to. I totally agree. The way that our intern, medical assistant, got those two guys really set up, I was like, wow, suddenly I'm feeling so much better about this movie because he had them totally, like, perfectly OCD arranged on these metal tables, well, you know, packed and cleaned and was giving them injections. And you're like... Wow, there was like almost this moment of solace in the middle of the textile factory where he was cleaning up these guys. It was the weirdest thing. Well, they, well, they kind of had to have that, right, narratively, so that she could go around and talk to all the people. Right. But they had to have that calm air time where she could interview all of them and we could see but how... But could have been on like a dirty floor or something, which oh, felt no, more no. realistic. Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying, which is like, yeah, it's it's like so perfect to like what, what they needed. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. It was but... too nice. Yep. Although I have to say I'm distracted for a hot second that the budget for this entire movie was $2 million. Wow. I think they did a lot for $2 million. And the fact that it grossed $32.5 million, these guys cleaned up. Yeah, they did. That's that impressive. That is awesome, yeah. And I know when I did my fun facts, there was no sets built on this. So all this was like on location. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's really impressive. So also I, I just get confused. Like maybe I just don't know how authentic – Old school cities are built. Maybe this is a common thing that industrial buildings juxtaposed next to residentials. Now we know. Don't go renting any apartments in creepy residential buildings juxtaposed with industrial complexes, people. Yeah, they could use a little more of those $2 million on the voice acting for the English dubbing, but that's okay. Oh, well. let's. Uh, I assume that's like post, post-market, post-prod. Yeah, I was going to say, does, does that happen within this? In fact, I think we could volunteer to redub this. We could. They remade the entire movie for the English-speaking world, <laughs> so I think we're okay. Oh. All right. Well, I just want to talk for a second about the residents, too. Can we talk about our British-Spanish guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the health inspector, right? No. 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 The, our guy with the dentures with, like, the, the crazy... The guy with a little mustache. The Catalonian. Oh, the, older, the mustachioed the, man. Yeah. Yes. yes the, yeah. Hey, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> a romantic Mario. I didn't know what was going on with that man's mustache, but it was priceless. He was fabulous. Yeah. I don't know why in the world he had a British accent, though. No. I, I, I thought the inspector did, too. I was very confused about the accents going on in here oh so confusing but i will say that i appreciate that he lived with his mother 
uh-huh. yeah. she died, so, yeah. so now he lives alone. I thought yeah, perfect. in his apartment. Yeah, yeah, I loved I loved him. He might have been my favorite part part of this whole movie. But yeah, the the dubbing was confusing. I mean, let's talk about, you know, we'll probably get a little bit more into the Chinese family as well, but there's a Chinese family that lives in this apartment complex as well. And, you know, we're doing an English redubbing of a Spanish Chinese family talking in broken Chinese to Spanish people in English. It was awful. (laughs) I felt so bad. Yeah, it it was a little race insensitive, I think. Yeah. It was so bad. This is how broken it was, like... Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Although I did appreciate that in the scene where they're trying to establish who else is in the building and if anyone else is still um, upstairs, that the uh, Manu, I believe, goes through and he actually was like telling people like to knock off the racist, Asian racist stuff that was going on. Right. Because they were definitely considering the the family to be the source of this virus. Yeah. Well, because the uh, her father was sick, right? Right. So, I mean, realistically, yeah, I mean, you could not be racist and do that, but they were doing it in a racist way. So, I know they were blaming the family a lot and saying, like, the family just leaves their doors open. So, fun fact was that... Paco Plaza had uh, lived near an Asian family who always kept their door open and was just fascinated that that was like a thing that they did. Do they cook fish a lot? I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) That was not in the fun fact. Maybe he was inspired. He was just very curious as to what what drove them to keep their door open. So he incorporated it into here. That they thought that was culturally acceptable type of thing. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid. Yes, I, I thought that was very interesting because they had some really blatant Chinese racism in a Spanish film, which you were like, oh, wow. You know, it's interesting to see other cultures struggle with racism as well because that is such a strong theme in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to make sure to recall out, though, that it's, the movie isn't racist, right? It's the people in the right. movie. And they're, the movie actually is is trying to correct that in right. the characters. Okay. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, the other part that I saw, thought was just interesting about that racism was that it was the mother, again, of the young girl being so blatantly racist. And typically, certainly in American movies, you know, you kind of protect that family nucleus. Of course, you'd have the little girl get sick and she could totally still bite off her mom's face. That's fine. But it was very unusual to have a room of you know, 10 characters, and they chose the mother to be openly hostile towards the the other Chinese family. I thought that was interesting. And you're like, we don't know too much more about this mom other than her daughter's sick and she's trying to protect her. But then she's sort of like, you know, accusing this poor Chinese family of, of who knows what type of thing. So, of course, the full hypocrisy comes full circle. And they could have played that up even more I thought I felt almost like the mom wasn't in this enough. I wish they had ramped that way up. So then you were kind of like, oh, it was almost like a whodunit, right? It was like, it was you. Like, you didn't know or you didn't recognize that the daughter was sick, that the dog was, you know? That, it, that could have been cooler. They could have ramped up the character pieces of this entire movie more. I guess, but then we wouldn't have to. enough time for the shaky cam and screaming. So, yes. Right. Yeah. Yep, I, I hated the mother. So I'm kind of glad I didn't. Oh, have good. To, yeah. I didn't want to have to see her anymore than I had to. Yeah. Maybe it was because of this blatant, <laughs> I'm accusing everybody and I'm yelling at this because you don't understand what's going on. You're not explaining it well enough to me. And my husband's outside and I need antibiotics. And he was the, those he, antibiotics weren't going to do nothing for you. He was the luckiest man in this movie. He was the luckiest man in the movie. Well, he's well, probably he lost sick. his kid, though. He's probably sick. What are you talking about? He's, he's probably the, he's super there. happy he didn't no, have the wife. They gave him yeah. the injections out there, probably. He's out there biting other people's faces off. So oh, maybe that's cool. how recording or yeah. REC2 is. Huh? Oh, because yeah. like he's out in the wild. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Sergio handcuffs Jennifer's mother to the stairs and proceeds upstairs with Manu and Pablo. 
They find Jennifer, but she bites Sergio, who tells the others to leave him. Manu and Pablo find the remaining residents running upstairs as the infected in the warehouse have broken down the door. Leaving the handcuffed Mari behind, they enter an empty apartment along with Angela, a resident called Caesar, and the health inspector who has been bitten. Caesar mentions that there might be another way out through the basement where there is a large drain that is connected to the sewers but says the keys are in Guillem's apartment. The infected health inspector then bites Caesar, forcing Angela and Manu and Pablo to escape and fight their way up to Guillem's apartment on the third floor. Okay, so that's my boyfriend. Caesar, huh? Yeah, it's a perfect name too, actually. It's totally perfect. Yes. I mean, they could have like totally gold chain blinked him up. I think a little bit more more hair, chest hair, you know. Yeah, right. ramp that up. Ramp that up, Caesar. The little handlebar mustache thing. Oh, man. Like, jazz it up because I, I think it was his. just thin, right? It wasn't like curly. He was like combed down yeah. and then like shaved halfway down. <laughs> Listen, oh man! Hotness. Listen, he that's his his classiness is understated. That's his whole thing. Oh, I man. loved it. He I needed like him. a feather in his cap. Mm, yeah, if he had a hat, <laughs> <laughs> he was hatless. He he was great. All right, but you know, I mean, he does pale a little bit in con- comparison to our hunky firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, of course, who bites it immediately in the beginning, and the other one, Manu, um, who's hanging in there. Uh, the dynamic of Manu and the fire, f- I'm sorry, the other police officer who's not called out as much here, um, really, I don't know, it, it kind of bothered me. That other fu- that other policeman who is, you know, one of, the, one of the pivotal characters in trying to figure out what's going on, I just felt like it was very useless. You know, they're running around a lot. Um I don't know, but it just didn't propel the story very much. But I did appreciate Pablo, the cameraman, who we really don't see the entire movie, right? No, yeah. So I thought that was cool because cameramen, like, stay behind the camera. That's kind of their jam. So I thought that was cool that you you never really get to meet Pablo, but that he's hustling and he's trying to get the shot and he's doing this and that. So I thought that the relationship that they built between Pablo and Angela were were cool. You know, I mean, she's, she was kind of like a bitch and pretty bossy the whole movie. I didn't love her that much but from the perspective of that she protected her cameraman you know don't fucking touch the camera like you're like yeah i i like that so that that kind of helped a little bit so this is the section where you have manu pablo and the other police officer who we don't know his name go up to get the girl Mm -hmm. right who they think is in i guess the same room as the old lady is that where, where they're at in that apartment, I don't know what apartment they're in, but anyway, right. they go in there, and then oh, Sergio, that's that, that that's his name, right? So oh, they go okay. up, and then she, of course she's they're looking for, her, and then she's standing there looking at him, and the guy's like shining the flashlight right on her face, and of course it's like you know move the the lights moving around her face, or whatever she's got. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden she has all this like crazy looking right. kind of bumps and whatever's on her face because I guess she's now zombified. Yeah, so they're shining the light on her face, right? And then she goes after Sergio and she bites him. And I appreciate the fact that he's like, I've been bitten. She bit me. Like, get yeah, she bit me. Get out of here type of thing. So I appreciate that he did that, that he wasn't freaking out. I thought he was dumb. Like, you're, you know people are biting people left and right, that there's this issue going on. You know she's infected. And he looks away from her. Like he was stupid. He didn't, he should have been totally focused on the situation, trying to get this almost rabid like girl to like get her kind of situated so that he could inject her with whatever. I guess it was a sedative. Not even exactly sure what he had in the syringe. Mercury. <laughs> 
Let's make her dumb. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I assumed it was some sort of cure or chemical that they had they had brought in because the the medical intern guy he didn't know what it was. They weren't telling them what it was. So yeah, I, I don't think, think it they was have a, a cure. Just orig- yet, but... It was an original concoction, is what I think it was. Yeah. I, like, I like how we're now actually calling that guy the intern, by the way, <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a lot of frustrating moments in this movie, which I love about horror movies. Like you don't want people to do such stupid stuff over and over again that you just hate them and you're just laughing at them. I was close here. Uh, I, I I didn't. I was confused and claustrophobic. and th- But this was the one part where I was like, that's not, that's just stupid. That's right. just yeah. You're stupid. not doing your job right now. Like, yeah. you know you're not doing your job if you look away and you're not paying attention to the thing that you're supposed to be working on. Yeah, and y- well, and you've seen how many of these people now go rabid and go crazy and bite people and they get horribly violent. Like, why wouldn't you get somebody to pin her down and then you inject? I wouldn't do it at all, personally. I would just be like, I'm locking you in this room and that's all that's right. happening. Yes, at that, at that point, you know there's multiple, multiple people that have been bitten. Now it's into, let's get all these people locked away so that they can't bite anybody else and let's quarantine ourselves within in the apartment someplace in fact i'd be like she was you know patient one um we know that she's had the virus the longest amount of time she could have super strength like you just don't even know at this point i'm not going freaking anywhere near that little chick i'd be like nope nope that's good i'm gonna sit down here i'm gonna quarantine myself as much as possible and uh we'll just wait until the fuzz lets us out type of thing yeah well and then and then i what i didn't really realize was of course then they go downstairs and everyone's running up the stairs and you find out it's because apparently the super industrial corrugated metal door doesn't lock or shut it's just down and the zombies mm-hmm. like we can just pull it up because uh, like raptors they can you know use opposable thumbs okay but i will just say in my notes really quickly that we didn't talk about this but the second you r- realize that these guys are coming back to life and that they're n- it's not just blatant like cannibalism that it actually is zombies type of thing <laughs> i was like cool <laughs> i was like this is a zombie movie I, I mean, I like zombies, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I love zombie movies. I think that's probably one of the most terrifying things to me because it's close to realism because viruses communicate and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was fascinating, but I didn't think in this movie, given how short it was, that it played on that enough. So we know that it gets transmitted through saliva. We know that depending on your blood type, it depends on how quickly you get converted over to the zombie type thing mm-hmm. however nobody said all right i'm a pause what are you let's figure out how long we have until you get zombified because <laughs> that's what i would be starting to do it's like all right we know the the daughter is the longest one who's been carrying this virus i'm assuming i don't know about the older lady but everybody else was changing over real quick yeah yeah so if she was ra- like a rare blood type you could kind of say all right well let's try to keep these a positive safe and the o negatives in like a whole other area because they'll be the ones that can survive the longest. So what we're finding is that if anybody finds themselves in some kind of horror situation, somebody such as Helen and Anne are incredible assets to have on their team because you have number one survival skill crazy person, me, and number one researcher, problem solver, analytics guru, scientist, Helen. Yeah, I will admit I don't have the common sense, so thank God I will have Anne around. So we've got the two, right? We don't need Ray. Yeah. (laughs) He's just going to be the dead guy. I was going to say Ray brings the devilish good looks. No, I... I, 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 (laughs) The smoldering good looks. I won't won't be the... (laughs) Ray shakes. I won't be the dead guy. I'll be the guy out getting the antibiotics and I'll survive. Well, I feel like we need you to to be our test subject. That'll work. I need somebody. Whatever whatever experiments you ladies want to run on me, that's okay. (laughs) 
Depends on how many ray shakes you give us. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So they go downstairs. The people are breaking out. And I guess they just give it up. They're like, we got to get out of here. Then Angela, she wants to unlock the mother, which I think is so stupid. I understand kind of, I guess, if she didn't get bitten. But they have this whole thing about unlocking her. Finally, they can't. She turns. They get upstairs. They're in Caesar's apartment. uh, And um, they find out that the health inspector has been bitten. Now, here's another thing I think dumb, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as Manu finds out this guy's bitten, he should have grabbed him, chucked him right out of the apartment, and locked the door. Instead, they're like, we're going to leave him like on one side, and now we have the other guys on the other side. I do think they did a really good job, though, of manu- in the scene of maneuvering Caesar around until he, his back is to that door. They did it just subtly enough. Now, I've seen it before, so I kind of knew what was going to happen. But like just subtly enough that you might not catch it. And then, bam, the guy comes through you know, the door or whatever yeah. and grabs him. Yeah, I was surprised because normally I see stuff coming like that a mile away. And you're just like, oh, this is such a lame setup. They're going to pack them up to the door. You know, like in Halloween and everything else that you watch, you're like, oh, why don't we stand right next to, you know, the door with open windows so the killer can grab me through the door. Genius. Um, but I admit I had a total – and I love the jump scares. This this movie was also full of some fun jump scares. Um, grab my poor boyfriend. Caesar starts eating his, eating his head. I'm so sorry, buddy. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I thought they did it in a really well shot way. I didn't pick up on it either, and I just thought it was oh, I'd missed him. Oh, I know. <laughs> he was my guy. I know. I was so mad, and I was like, "Oh, is he already eating his head? Like, can't you just like smack his hands off and get? No, you can't. You can't save him." I was like, "You're you're so quick to try not to save Caesar." But you wanted to save the mom that already had her face bitten off. Okay, right, that makes yeah. sense. So I was a little, I was a little upset and protective about my boyfriend. <laughs> um, but You're going I, to have to share. <laughs> um, yes, I was very upset. I'd be getting the pans and like you know the kitchen knives out and doing doing some butcher work there. But um, I definitely agree. I was really mad that somebody else was sick was in their one habitable range that they had found to get into that safe zone and lock it down, and then he was in there, and it was like it was too quick. It was like, you know, if you think of the movie Trolls, (laughs) they go down there and they've got like their safe haven. Like they have a really smart way of, you know, kind of busting that out and like breaking that up. And here it's like they're in there for a half of second, right? Before they say, oh, that that guy's in the back. He's doing what? And they go back, you're unbitten. And you're like, what? What?" Yeah. (laughs) We didn't even have a second where we could relax and say, oh, we're in a safe zone. So I didn't think that was handled very well. And I do the same. I grab him by the collar, and I throw him right out the front freaking door and lock it back down. Having found the key, Angela and Pablo leave the apartment and find Manu among the infected. The pair are chased upstairs and take refuge in the penthouse. They discover a tape recorder, which explains the virus's origin. The penthouse's owner was an agent of the Vatican. He was researching and isolating an enzyme believed to be the biological cause of demonic possession. He located a possessed young girl named Tristina Medieros, kidnapped her, and brought her to the penthouse for research. During this time, the enzyme mutated and became viral. The agent, having no other options, sealed Tristana in the house, presumably to let her die of starvation. Pablo reaches up with his camera to record around inside the attic, only for the infected boy to swipe at the camera and break its light, shrouding them in complete darkness. Pablo turns on the night vision and discovers a sealed door. Tristana, now a blind and horribly emaciated figure, emerges and searches the penthouse for food. 
Angela and Pablo try to escape, but Pablo is killed by Tristana and drops the camera. Angela picks up the camera and looks through the screen, seeing Tristana eating Pablo. She panics, strips, and drops the camera. The camera continues to record as Angela is dragged into the darkness, screaming. So this is where we go back towards like a similar Flatliners type theme where you have science versus religion. Mm-hmm. So we have like the science of the virus versus religion of the possession. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting, but not being able to read Spanish, which I think would have been integral here. I had no idea what any of those news articles posted all around that apartment were saying. Just about possession. I, I don't think yeah. you had to necessarily be able to read them. But I agree with where you're going with this, which is it would have been helpful to have more information. It was like all of a sudden you go in there, which I think is supposed to be this big reveal, right? That, oh, well, first of all, we didn't know that, that person was the owner of the building. We just thought it was some recluse that they were like, he no longer, you know, he's hardly ever at the building. You go in there, and then it's all like I was thinking, like psycho killer, you know, uh, with all the religion stuff around. Like you kind of think of, the, you know, the Zodiac killer or something, just something weirdly crazy. I don't know if it was just lost in translation, literally, <laughs> that they were going through the tapes and the recordings, and they talk a little bit about this virus, and then when it's exposed to air, it becoming unstable. Which you're kind of like, oh, are you creating something airborne? But I thought he was talking about. Um, you know, not not demonic possession itself, but the cure. So I was very confused right. with that whole thing. Yeah, I, I didn't think I got the gist of it. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if it's demonic possession, then why would it be, tra- you know, contagious through saliva? That doesn't make any sense. Well, that was supposed – that's the big thing about this movie, right? That's the big twist about it. It's a zombie movie, but really it's a, you know, transmutable, you know, contagious demonic possession. Is really what it is you're seeing, not really zombies. Which is not something I've ever heard of or can conceive in my brain as to how it maybe because in my brain science and religion are so separate that I would never say an illness is really a demon. Well, I think that if they had used some fancy words like Ray just said, I would have understood it way better. <laughs> <laughs> like if they had sort of like put A and B together and sort of said, you know. Yes, this is a demonic possession that's being transmitted through physical contact. You would have been like, what? Like, that would have been mind-blowing enough. I get I get it. Like, I always love when things are better left unsaid. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, I did not put two and two together here. I did not get it. Yeah, it's like something I didn't get, and I'm still not even sure, is that you have this, um, you know, woman who is the possessed girl, I guess, who's in the apartment. But they go in there and they, you know, open up the attic and they put the camera up and there's a boy that hits the camera. Yeah. Like, I'm confused. I thought there was only one person up there. This is confusing to me because I thought it also was just the girl up there who then comes down. That's what I thought. But but I did think it looked different. But I did think it looked, that person looked different than the woman, but I didn't realize there was supposed to be two people in there. Right. And they didn't seem to, they didn't seem to think there were like two people in there. They were looking at the that woman the whole time. Right. And you would think in the articles you would have seen him posting something about that boy being kidnapped so that it would have kind of drawn your conclusion to that. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I thought exactly the same thing. You kind of think that they look a little different. You're like, well, that's weird. But there was clearly only one person up there because why wouldn't, if there was a second boy come down and then why would there be a boy that we never reference and we never see again? But I will tell you one thing. I'm getting like a little creeped out even just thinking about that camera going up there and like the face popping yeah. out and swiping the camera. That was creepy. Yeah, like it was scary. They, they did a good job of waiting and I would be curious as to if they, how many 
many times they they toyed with the timing, but they did just they waited just long enough mm-hmm. for you to be like, okay, there's not going to be anything, and then they then right. then they showed it. Uh, they did. They did. I mean, I will say, you know, putting this movie together between that low budget and trying to build the suspense, there were definitely some issues with the English dubbing. Um, you know, whether it was just things were lost in translation, maybe the speed, maybe the execution did, was super rough around the edges for this one. But I have to give them a lot of credit. I think they had a lot of skill in many different ways that they pulled this together. Okay, so this is the end game, right? They're fumbling around in the dark and... Pablo gets eaten, and then she gets drug away. Yeah, and that's the end. Okay, that's my least favorite part of the whole movie. I have to say, because I felt so like it cliche. was you. Were, you just knew. I I think they were setting it up for a sequel to yeah. some extent. I mean, you don't know what happens to her. You don't know what happens with anything. I mean, it's to 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 leave all of the essential sort of world building and plot and everything until the last three minutes of the movie just to dump it on you and then have everybody die. I mean, that just seems like you're, you're screaming, "Hey, make, let's make a sequel." Yeah. Oh, I always, I mean, and I like it when everybody dies at the end. <laughs> I mean, not to just sound too morose, but. Yeah, I'm just like, wow. I hate there. it. I hate it when they're like, <laughs> tokens, somebody survives. Phoenix from the ashes. You're like, oh, please. Like, I hate that. I think it's more realistic. Like, if something's going to go apeshit wrong and everybody dies, fine. But what I didn't like about this was you just got it really, it, it got so messy at the end that you could not see what was going on at all. Oh, but what I will say, just really quickly, that despite the horrific um, English-Americanized dubbing, watching this movie with headphones on, with the Dolby surround sound, in the dark, so there are so many scenes, you know, for people who have not seen this yet, where the light's off and they're literally fumbling around and extended scenes in the dark. Having the headphones on and hearing something in my left ear and then hearing something in my right ear, which legitimately made it sound like, I was in the dark and hearing things. Oh, man. The effect was really good. It was well done. But I hated that in the end. Well, okay, I liked that you never saw Pablo. Never saw him. Didn't get to see him. Sad, but I liked it. But, I mean, Angela, really? You're, like, you know, trying to fumble around and figure this and that out? And come on. Any video camera is going to have a blinking light on it. Am I right? You're going to be able to find that camera. The stupid zombie person's going to be able to see you. It has a red blinking light, so that kind of bothered me. Get the camera, figure it out. You're going to die anyways, but... Yeah. And she was screaming, and I was like, shut up. Uh, yes, I if agree. you don't want to die, stop screaming. Yeah. And then it was just like a boob shot at the end, which I just felt like undercut yeah. like the whole movie. I was like, if you know people are biting each other, I'm going to take a fireman's jacket and put that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no coverage. I thought yeah. the same when, like, the policeman was giving the shot. I was I mean, like, we're a you're not going to get any. Top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one final fun fact that I have for this and I thought really helped with the atmosphere of the movie was that the actors were never given a a script in its entirety. So no one knew what their fates were. Oh, shit. So every time that they entered, you know, the scene, they were just kind of like had this fear and, you know – um, agitation as to what was going to happen because they weren't quite sure. You know, you know, that's interesting because this movie did feel like it was Curb Your Enthusiasm a little bit, like where each scene they just say, all right, this is what's going to happen. Now go ad lib what you're doing. Like oh, that yeah. sort of feel like, and, and I don't, like I said, no, the English dubbing or not probably makes it worse. But yes, if they're literally being handed the day's script and they have they don't have any time to really prepare it or whatever, like I can, I can get behind that. I see that. 
Right. You're going to be, you're going to go over this balcony. Sorry. You probably thought you had a longer role in this movie, but 20 minutes in, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't get invited back the next day. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, this plot is so confusing. It's like they're here, they're up and then they're down there and they're in the back and then somebody else is bitten and you're just kind of all, you're stumbling through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe that's intentional, right? To really just add to the whole confusion of something. I would argue that that is the only thing the movie has. That is the basis of the movie is this constant kinetic movement and chaos from one place to another with very few places to stop and catch your breath because there's nothing else happening in the movie. I mean, that's all the movie is. Right. And an hour and 15 minutes later, and done. Are you want to do Kill, Chill, and Thrill? Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> so we do these little segments of Kill, Chill, and Thrill. So who you would want to get rid of, who you'd want to hang out with, and who you might want to have a relationship with, as in sexually. <laughs> yes, if that wasn't clear. Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> I always start with Ray since he's, you know, the man. Okay, well, who would I want to kill? I would probably end up killing the mother of Jennifer because she is probably the most annoying person in this movie to me. I agree with you. Um, I mean, when she's like, yeah, I'm going to basically go to the newspapers and sue and all this stuff. I'm like, "Ah, you just don't understand what's going on right now. So, yeah, I'd kill her. Uh, Who would I chill with um you know i would probably chill with the firemen any of them i don't care but they all seem pretty cool like if i could have hung back at the firehouse it's been a fun movie you know yeah they did seem like they were i know a good time. i didn't show the game room or i mean the theater i mean all that would have been cool and then who would i uh thrill boy it's not much of a <laughs> of a choice in all this movie um let me give it a real quick thing the, so the chicks at the fire station desk that's yeah, probably the only. That's the only other option. But I, I tell forgot you, about that. But you know, I tell you what. I mean, An- <laughs> Angela, she's 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 a little haughty. She I, was I'm, cute. Yeah. I'm, you know, we'll just go with the we'll go with the uh, woman behind the camera there, or in front of the camera there. All right. All right. You want me to jump in? Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. Kill, chill, thrill. Um, the person I would kill is actually Angela. <laughs> she kind of annoyed the crap out of me, and I felt like if we killed her off, then maybe she would have had a good substitute, and it would have had a chance to be better. Um, but all in, I have to say it's probably because it was the English dubbing. I was going to say, is it English Angela or do you think it would have been Spanish Angela? Definitely. I I would like hacksaw English Angela. Let's be clear. (laughs) Okay. So the person I would chill with is my boyfriend, Caesar, because I would get to flirt with him all night without actually having sex with him, which would be amazing. And then (laughs) I would thrill with obviously one of the firemen. Um, I'm choosing Alex after Manu. I think Manu is like the coolest name ever, but um, I thought Alex was a little bit, a little bit cuter. They're both cute though. So I was going to kill the mother as well because I found her highly annoying. And then I was going to hang out with my mustachioed friend, Cesar, <laughs> Cesar. And I was going to actually thrill with the policeman whose name I can't remember. Sergio? Sergio. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he was so annoying. But he was kind of hot. Yeah. I I happened to look to see who the actors were on IMDb just to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he is much hotter when you look at his other photos and less annoying. He seems kind <laughs> of Superman-ish so, looking. Mm-hmm. Is that what he looked, so, wound up? So he looks more French to me. So he would oh. be like the dominant and you would be like the... How do you know I don't dominate? I'm just saying because in the in the in the movie he's very you know that's his whole thing is yeah. like control. He's the guy in what control. What are you talking he's about? He's a total keep, pussy. He's trying to be a rule follower, but he's trying to be the guy who keeps things under control in there. In well, the he movie. does a shit job. Well, I didn't say he was good at it. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, I, I'm not really quite sure how things would go down, but it's nice to look at. Let's be clear. Helen would be the whipcracker in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting some ray shakes. <laughs> Minor amount of ray shakes in this podcast this time around. And a lot more wine. So I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> there were some sessions where they were happen- happening pretty heavily. <laughs> oh, yeah. I must have missed it. I think we were missing it due to the wine. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First, technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second, impact which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? All right, so let's start with you, Anne. Give us your three scores. All right, so really quickly, for technical, uh, you know, you guys know I like to focus on special effects. Um, Not so much plot on this one. I thought that the facial mutilation... (laughs) was well done from a special effects perspective, but generally, you know, there wasn't a lot to go on here um, to bolster that score. And plot-wise, obviously, you know, nothing too impressive was happening. So I just gave it, I just gave it a five for tech. For impact, obviously the English dubbing, like we said, really hurt this one. So I gave it a four for impact, a little bit below average. But For enjoyment, I actually enjoyed this movie a pretty good amount. It was short. It was fun. It had some good jump scares. I thought it was scary. It certainly wasn't perfect. I would go back and definitely rewatch this with the Spanish instead of the crappy English redubbing. So I gave it a seven for enjoyment. All right, Helen? I gave it eights across the board. So yeah, um, for technical composition, I thought because of what the film was trying to do with this Almost, I guess it's found footage and the fact that it's on a camcorder, I thought it was fine. Like, I know that there were some craziness in the plot holes going on, but that didn't bother me because I know this film was shorter. It was more fast-paced. It was supposed to be anxiety, and I, I thought it, it did pretty well there. For impact, obviously, eight, I, I just thought it was terrifying. Zombies terrify me. They did a really good job with that, and I really enjoyed it as well. Okay. Um, for technical composition, I gave it a four. I thought that the effects were pretty good, but there was a limited number of effects. I thought that there was way too much yelling and screaming, and that's pretty much all that the movie had in large part. The lack of plot pretty much drove a lot of that score. For impact, I gave it a five, pretty much average. I mean, it had good jump scares. Uh, for a found footage movie, it was pre- did pretty good job of producing scenes that uh, had some dread and some suspense in them. So just an average five. And for enjoyment, a five as well. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed it less this time because of the English dubbing. But when I watched it the first time, um, I thought it was perfectly serviceable. It's not my favorite horror movie. It is by no means my least favorite. Oh, man. I thought I was, like, being way too harsh on this movie. So <laughs> so interestingly enough, we're kind of, you know, at the top and the bottom of the scale with this one, which is really interesting. So, Ray, you're at the bottom of the scale with a 4.67 on this one. I'm in the middle with a 5.33 right around average. And, Helen, you're at the top with this one with it, an 8. So that brings this one to a flat 6.00. That obviously does not put it at the top of the hill. Um, but it uh, puts it respectably above, you know, average, I guess. It's right in line with Halloween, 1978. 1978 Halloween. Yeah, slightly lower than Flatliners, which we reviewed recently. All right. I'm happy with that. 
All right, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or to suggest a movie to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-host, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 